Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to another episode. If it is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at Hashtag Kangaroos or on Instagram at hashtag kangaroos podcast. So we're back today with Mark and Frank to discuss our disappointing game over the weekend. What the hell happened and why did we play the way we played? Is it time to panic? And does a game like this undo all, all our hard work after the first four rounds? Plus, a lot of talk about the dickhead in the media. So let's not wait any longer and bring on the boys right now. Mark and Frank, welcome back to the show. And we have a lot to discuss but let's go with what is the big story. And I'll try not to talk about the media because I want to discuss what we're doing on the field and what we're doing as a club. Mark, I'll start with you. We can say what we want about Kane Corns, but he looks like a man that he's out of control right now. Is that fair to say? Uh, 100% that's fair to say. I think that's been kind. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys probably haven't caught his uh, some of the stuff on Sports Day tonight, but now he's... <laughs> Apparently, he's now trying to infer that it's David King's fault this has happened, which is just bizarre. Um, and on top of which, he's saying he's making this, what you could only describe as a childish prediction, really, that um, Sheasel and Wardlaw will ne- you know, won't be as good as Jason Dorn Francis and North are going to regret it forever. I mean, for a start, Wardlaw hasn't even played yet. Sheasel's just broken the record for most disposals after... I think after five rounds um, and has looked like a, an absolute genius of a footballer. And and he's, he's just extended by an extra two years. And, and um, I expect to hear very soon that Wardlaw's done the same. Why would North be regretting anything? They couldn't be happier. So it's, And we've got another pick to come from Port. So, I mean, it's just silly. Why, why wouldn't you just say it's been a win-win for both, both clubs? I just... That, it's so puerile, I can't even get my head around it. Let alone the fact that North supporters had nothing to do with the booing at bloody Adelaide Oval, that we weren't there. So how we how he somehow turned around Ken Hinckley being upset about him being, uh, Jason Horn Francis being booed on Saturday night, to, to turn up on Sunday morning and have a crack at North again and again all day today and refuse to take any responsibility at all for the fact that he's incited uh, supporters from other clubs. They're not booing him because they feel sorry for North, that's for sure. They're booing him because they've seen Corns go on and on and on about it with his hashtag ice bath, coming out with blonde wigs on TV, calling himself Jason Corn Francis and all this sort of rubbish. Uh, and then he wonders why it's got up the nose of other supporters and this booing crap started, which, you know, is I'm not a fan of, but if the more this sort of carry-on happens, the more likely it's going to get worse, I would have thought. So... Uh, I thought David King was 100% correct and I think the other media commentators like Luke Hodge and Sam Edmund today that also have had a directly go at Corns as well as Buckley, they were all correct. There's only one person who keeps refusing to acknowledge that um, they've got some blame in this and that's Kane Corns. So to, <laughs> to answer your question finally, yes, he's out of control. 
Yeah, I mean, he keeps throwing fire on, on top of a fire, really. I mean, it's almost like he's trying to throw um, petrol on top of a fire uh, to put it out. Uh, he's just, um, he's probably ignited it even more, and it's probably only going to lead to more booze for Jason on Francis uh, at the end of the day this this weekend, um, yeah, if he keeps going on like this. Uh, now, he hasn't taken responsibility, like you said, Mark, Um for the guy that left us last season. He was happy to take pot shots at our supporter base president and club in general for trading him and not supporting him like we did with Taron Thomas. But he can't seem to handle the pushback right now, can he, Frank? Uh, no, Dean and uh, and Mark. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, he, I think this is... Look, I don't know. I'm going to have a guess, but I've got a feeling that this was driven a little bit by probably social media interactions in that he probably... As he baited uh, North and uh, and stuff like that, he he saw his interactions growing on social media, um, and he ran with it. Uh, and now it's gotten out of control. And um, he yeah he doesn't want to admit that he put a radar on his back. But I think he really enjoyed the whole. You got to remember, uh, Dean. He had a goal at us in round two for celebrating the win against the Eagles because he felt it wasn't, you know, a, a meritorious win. So why celebrate it? Um, you know, it was probably four weeks into the season that he appeared on the Sunday Footy Show saying he's already hearing whispers about uh, Horn Francis wanting to go home. Uh, you know, and then he and then he starts with the uh, the whole ice bath thing. Has a goal at us. Uh, for for celebrating the win against Richmond later in the year, saying we carried on like we'd won a grand final, found the uh, president uninspiring and underwhelming. And he's loved this. He's, he's really enjoyed it. He, you know, he's been getting plenty of interactions online when he does this uh, without really thinking about Horn Francis and how it was going to affect him. And now it's too late to backpedal. Yeah, I mean, he's acting like a fast bowler that sledges every batsman, sends him off, but he's having a whinge when he goes in the bat and cops the same, treat, same treatment. Is that a good summary, Mark? It's a very good summary. The, other, the thing that's really annoying me is that he's now, I mean, he's already been having goes at Will Phillips and Charlie Combin for the last 24 months, which is disgraceful in itself and for no good reason. Uh, now he's started having a go at Harry Sheasel because he's been taking some kickouts. It's like. Uh, the, the, the level of childishness in, in that when any normal football commentator is celebrating what a fantastic start Harry Schiff had to his career. And, of course, the North supporters are doing exactly the same thing. But he's looking at it in the eyes of someone who doesn't want to see anything taken away from the, this great victory he believes Port have had by getting Jason Horn Francis. So he's upset the fact Harry Sheasel's starting to play so well and God knows how upset he'll be if Wardlaw gets off to the same start to his career. So the fact he's even brought that up tonight and talked about Sheasel and Wardlaw just shows um, the level he's got to with this. It's like they're a couple of 18-year-old kids. Leave them out of it anyway, mate. And not and, and not to forget, Mark, also, that uh, he was pot- having a pot shot at any club that dares offer someone a five-year contract. They've offered Horn Francis, an, a 19-year-old, a six-year deal, mm. and we got crickets from him. Oh, that was fine, apparently, because he's a young player. Correct. Yeah, uh, <laughs> never, know, but... never a top 10 in a best and fairest. No All-Australian. But 800K a year average over six years is not a problem. Correct. Which is, which is just the, the ridiculous side of things. People have seen how completely biased he's been and how he's driven this and, and really enjoyed it. The hands coming out dressed as Horn Francis, uh, you know, in the, on the, on the Sunday footy show. And now it's blown up and it's it's caused 
you know, uh, blowback for the young fella. And he's just sort of saying, well, it's not my fault. Um, and it's just ridiculous. I think I think the Collingwood supporters, most likely, this is obviously just a guess, came out and got into Jason Horn Francis because they weren't too happy with Kane Corns getting stuck in the Ginevan last year. Yep. And he went hard and they thought he, this is their chance to get back at Corns. They've gone at Jason Horn Francis. This whole thing started to blow up because it was a different club booing. And then it's, it's caught on now and, he, and he, it's going to get worse now, unfortunately, yep. because uh, I know Ken Hinkley was trying to do the right thing, but I, drawing attention to it's just going to have made it a hell of a lot worse. Yep. And it'll throw legs. And Carlton supporters weren't too happy the way Jason Horn Francis carried on in the game when he was playing for us last year. So I'm sure they're not going to go easy on him either. So I don't like, I'm not a big fan of booing. I don't want to, I don't, I'm, you know, I don't think any North supporters are ever going to be huge fans of Jason Horn Francis or the way he behaved when he was at North Melbourne or the fact that he asked to go number one pick and then pretty much acted like he wanted to go home from the second he got there. They're never going to be fans of him, let's face it, and that's fair enough. And he probably will get the odd boo when he plays against North. It's not actual hatred. It's just they didn't like the way he behaved. But, but no one wants to see, you know, um, anything bad happen to him or anything like that. And we all know he's going to be a great player. Most North supporters now think it's been a win-win. We got him out of the club and the players playing group also thought that was a good thing. The club thought it was a good thing. Jason Horn Francis wanted to go home and we've got two great kids out of it and we've got another pick coming. Yeah. Most people look at that and go, that's a win-win, but it doesn't have to be this war with Kane Corns over who, who's got the, who's the great winner out of the whole thing. But yeah. he's determined to turn it into that, and it's going to go on now for a long, long time, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say he's going to get booed. Um, it's going to be a test of resilience for him because he's going to get booed uh, pretty much every Melbourne game or interstate game he plays now, and that's not going to stop. Uh, you know, people are just like that. Um, and, you know, he's got to take some responsibility for it, Kane Corns. And like you said, Mark, he hasn't taken any responsibility. We'll move on anyway. We could talk about uh, Kane Corns for the next hour and get nowhere, really, because, yeah, it's uh, it's not worth it at the end of the day. Um, we can't really talk about much uh, positiveness over the weekend, but uh, we'll keep going. I want to talk about team changes, boys. Are you surprised by the curse omission, Frank, last week? Also, no sign of Bergman, who I thought was going pretty well uh, to start the year. He came back through the reserves. What do you think about that, Frank? Um, I'm one that sort of thought Curtis was a little bit off. I think I mentioned that on last week, he just didn't quite seem to have his his mojo. Uh, Saying that, he clearly found it in the twos on the weekend. Um, yeah, uh, maybe a little bit surprised. Yeah, Bergman's probably surprised me a bit more as uh, than the Curtis one um, that he's he's come back through the twos. But yeah, look, both of them, you could you could have made an argument that they we could have played them. Um, I just thought that that Curtis, ever since he had that that migraine and got subbed out, that he hasn't quite looked the same. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting looking at his stats, and I spoke to Ricky last week, Mark, about probably his work rate defensively has dropped off a little bit this year. Um, could that possibly be a reason why he did get dropped? I heard um, I heard that conversation you had with Ricky, and it was a, uh, really interesting to hear that the, the tackles per game stat he came out with. Because um, as you quite rightly pointed out in, in that conversation, that the defensive efforts as a small forward usually lead to the the positive things happening around you know kicking goals and the highlight stuff. But um, I think that the 
the way he played on the weekend in the VFL actually justifies dropping him because it's obviously lit a bit of a fire underneath him. And the way he started the game with three goals, uh, he was pretty fired up. And he'll come back into the side now with a lot of confidence and know what his role is and he won't want to be dropped again. So I, I don't have any problem with that. I guess the Bergman and Gota, I mean, Gota hasn't played as well as Bergman and, and uh, he'd been a bit quiet before he got pushed back to the VFL. But I just felt like we've lost Zip out of our back line since mm. those two have gone out. And um, and I've been saying this on Twitter for a few days. It just it feels like we're, we're, we've gone almost a bit too top-heavy with the older guys at the moment and some of the depth players that I know are there to protect, protect the kids. But I'd be happy to see, you know, two or three of the Jay-Z, you know, let's call them Cunners, Jay-Z, um, uh, Shields, Hal, Turner, uh, Goldie, and Goldie has to play because he, he's, he's the number one ruckman, obviously, with, with X out, and that, so he has to play, and, and Jay-Z's been in good form. The others um, in the last few weeks have dropped right off, and um, I'm not writing anyone off. I'm not running cunners off or anyone at this point, but I'd rather see a couple of those guys go out and a couple of young, younger, quicker guys come back in at the moment. And I don't mind. Look, if you play three or four games in a row, like go to Bergman, have a week off or have a rest, I think that's not a bad way to manage the young kids. But guys like Archer, Ford, um, Phoenix Spice have played well in the VFL, which I was pleased to see, but he will need to do it at least four or five probably more games along those lines to, to get a look in. But Charlie Lazaro's in good form, I think, with an injury um, to Simpkin, you know, players like that. Some of these kids, we need to find out if they're going to make it. And in, in Charlie's case, he's contracted the whole of next year. So we're going to have to find out sooner or later. So I, I hope we just keep pumping more games into these young kids as we go. But um, So, look, I did have a big, big issue with, you know, with Curtis in that it's obviously he's, re, he's responded so well to it. It's hard to argue that it wasn't a good idea now. Mm. Yeah, I agree uh, with that, and we'll talk more about uh, individual players later on. But um, yeah. yeah, there's um, yeah, there's uh, a lot of discussion points with uh, selection at the moment. Um, Frank, what did you make of uh, Gather Round? It seemed like a pretty good uh, success for the AFL, but I think it might be a case of when we do it more than one time, it'll lose its flavour. I think each year. I mean, to go three years, I thought was a bit generous. What do you think about it? Um, look, I loved it. I thought it was a great concept, and I definitely had the, uh, you know, what do the kids say, FOMO, um, sitting here on Friday night with a mate of mine saying, we should have gone. This this would have, this looks like just footy nerd heaven. Um, <laughs> the only thing that did, the only thing I thought was weird was the Friday early game being Frio. You know, with the, with the, um, Obviously, would have meant. I think it was being played at three in the afternoon their time, mm. uh, which I thought you know they could have easily moved that around so that it lined up better with the East Coast um, that that early Friday game. But yeah. otherwise, I, I thought it all sort of fell together quite nicely, and it was um, yeah, it really was like a really footy nerds weekend. No, fair enough, Frank. Um, yeah, that is a bit strange. I didn't even think of that um, at the time. But, yeah, that would have been 3 p.m. and most people still working so around that time or close to it. So, you know, a lot of people might have missed the first quarter or first half of that game. Uh, what do you make of it, uh, Mark? Any thoughts on it? Oh, I was just glad I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. that too. There's <laughs> uh, one game I'm glad I wasn't at live so far this season. It's definitely that one. Um, but it, it, 
that aside, oh. I think um, I, I would hope they'll play a few more regional games around the Barossa and other spots next year because I think that it looked really carnival-like and I thought the atmosphere seemed really great for our game, albeit it was disappointing. But um, I think as, as they go forward, they'll play more of those games in different regions, I would have thought. I agree, yeah, 100%. Uh, let's move on to the game, boys, um, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, promising start early, first quarter, but uh, probably about uh, five minutes into the second quarter, and it fell apart pretty quickly, didn't it, uh, Frank? And especially that second half as well. It just it was uh, like being none for 90 after 15 overs. We've done a few cricket quotes and been all out for 110. Uh, it was a big collapse in that second half, wasn't it? It was, mate, yeah. It was real Hollywood football, I think someone said to me. It was... Uh, you know, we, we pressed up super high um, and that held its own for a while. But then I think as the pressure dropped off in the midfield and around the contest, uh, it, it it just became a little bit, well, to the point where, well, I was going to say laughable, but I don't think any three of us would have been laughing um, as it just completely became unstitched uh, in the second half. Yeah, Mark, um, we're quick to praise Clarko when things are going well. He has to take some responsibility for the tactics in this game. Because uh, to me, it was an aggressive way to play with the handball game, especially in the second half. Because once there was one turnover and a break in the link, then it was all over. And I had bludges like, you know, and it's bludges because they weren't chasing up the ground like Hipwood and Danaher and so forth, waiting for cheap ones inside their 50 with no one near them. I've never seen so many cheap goals in my life. And, I've, and 114 points from turnovers tells a tale, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, that's a horrific amount of turnovers. I, I, I mean, I take your point about the um, the tactics, but I won't be calling for Clarko to go just yet. No, but, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what? But, your point's well made, in, but the thing I'm curious about, and I wasn't there live, and it's always a bit hard when you're watching it on TV to get a, a feel for what's going on, um, unless you've got one of those massive TVs they've got out of Foxtel, which takes up a whole wall, but um, down at Fox Footy, I should say. Uh, so I'm curious as to whether there was a change in thinking or there was a deliberate ploy to be more aggressive and go hard with the handballs and try and break down Brisbane that way, or... Was it part of now trying to extend beyond what they've already learned on the game plan to add layers to it? And they made the decision that regardless of what was happening, they'd keep persevering through the game because he wants them to learn lessons. I, I don't know, because they didn't look like they tried to change much through that game. It felt like they just stuck with it all the way through. And it, it must be more complicated than just a bad day of turnovers. It, I don't know. Just it's, It seemed very weird watching it on TV because it, just felt like the whole thing just kept repeating itself for, for the rest of the game. Um, so I don't know. I mean, look, um, I'm, I know Ricky had some views about the fact that we were losing it around. I'm just reading some of his tweets and other comments that um, once we started getting beaten up around the ball, that it caused everything to break down. But at the end of the day, 114 points in turnovers is not just about contested ball. It's, it's about making mistakes and then getting caught out with players either pushing up too far or getting ahead of the ball. Uh, and then not being able to defend once we we lost possession because we've been defending our turnovers pretty well up till this game, so the defensive structure completely collapsed. It's just a bit odd. I just find it hard to believe that we weren't trying something a little bit different than we had in the previous weeks because it felt like we just kept at that same style of play the whole way through. And it was very aggressive, um, and it you know, obviously didn't work. Yeah, I'm not calling for Clarko to be sacked, by the way, but or anything. <laughs> like that. But he's got, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, 
total blind move, you know, uh, system and tactics as well as players as well, probably not executing. And, you know, at the end of the day, you could have the greatest, uh, you know, tactic for a game, but if they're going to turn it over, it doesn't mean much at the end of the day. So, uh, Frank, uh, Mark seemed to uh, make a point uh, with through Ricky that uh, we started losing the um, clearances a fair bit. It seemed to fall apart when Simpkin came off the ground. Now, he had 12 disposals in just over a quarter, Two clearances, which it was our second most uh, with Phillips. Um, 109 metres gained as well. He had a, he's had a very uh, good underrated year. Did that have an effect on the game, do you believe? I think it would, It had uh, to, Dean, to an extent. I don't know that he was the difference, uh, but I think um, it's certainly when he went off, the cracks started to appear. And I don't know whether it's LDU, Simkin, then Daylight, um, at, to our next level of on ballers, but they certainly seem to to make a um, uh, leave a big hole when he went off the ground. Yeah, well, we struggled against Hawthorne when he didn't play as well, didn't didn't we, Mark? So it, yeah, it probably no, has more of, more Frank, of an influence than we realise. Yeah, no, Frank's just made a really good point. Uh, I've been thinking about that recently. But it, it does. It, it's almost like we're all desperate, and we are desperate for Phillips and Powell. To almost jump two two years ahead of where they are, so they could catch up to the other two. Yeah, and that's been brought on with um, obviously not having access to Taron Thomas, uh, who of course has also copped it from Kane Corns. I won't go back to him again in the last <laughs> few days. But um, Taron Thomas would be you know hugely important to that side at the moment, um, just to help out in the midfield. But yeah, with Cunners struggling a little bit, um, and you know, Greenwood's not at that level. He's a different type of player. But yeah, th- those two are. I mean, they're elite, really. So LDU and, and Simkin, and, and uh, they, so they came first and second up BNF last year for a reason. What was a shocking year? And when we've been on top this season, those two have been starring. So we are very reliant on them. And um, you know, we'll obviously talk about some other players um, and their performance. But uh, it was uh, we're probably very lucky that Will Phillips is coming into the sort of form that he showed on the weekend. Yeah. Simpkins about to go out, or he's he's going out. So Powell and Phillips again will get more opportunity, and um, I think we just keep pumping, giving him more and more chances to keep improving because they, you know, they're going to be the future. And we'll have George uh, hopefully in the side, and you know, within the next month. Um, but I, I don't I don't mind the fact they're they're just taking it slowly with him. I think given all the crap that's going on again with our mate. Um, looking to criticise any of our young players. I'd probably rather see Wardlaw come in when he's feeling super confident and has a good start. Otherwise, he'll cop it as well. Oh, yeah. Well, he's going to cop it no matter what. <laughs> From that bloke, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Lockie Neal had a big influence on the game. Was it, Especially that first half, when it was a little bit in a balance, was it worth putting a tag on him? Because he had 22 disposals in that first half and was carrying a midfield in, the, in, in particular. I think he had five clearances in the spell of about six minutes. Um, do you think maybe Aleem Shields or Daniel Howe should have gone to him uh, in retrospect uh, there, Frank? Well, I, I thought uh, Liam Shields actually did line up on him for a, 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 a quite a, a number of stoppage um, clearances there in the in sort of after quarter time. But whatever it was, it wasn't working. So if it was Liam Shields or or Howe or Turner or someone, I don't know how many different combinations they tried, uh, but it certainly didn't work. No, 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 definitely didn't. Um, Aiden Core. A lot of talk about him at the moment and where he is at. 
How did you see his performance, Mark? Uh, well, I mean, the way the ball was coming into uh, into our back line, I just I know there were people. I mean, I had someone calling for Ben Mackay to be bloody uh, let him let him go elsewhere. I mean, it was just which really annoyed me. But um, <laughs> the guys, I did see that tweet. Oh yeah, it just drove me mad. But anyway, he's he's been out for a month with a foot injury. Comes back, there's an avalanche of inside fifties. <laughs> with the ball mm. coming in at that rate of knots and he's the, suddenly needs to be booted out of the club. It's just crazy. But anyway, um, I, it's just it's too hard to make a judgment in that sort of game. That said, um, I'm worried about with Core, Logue and uh, Mackay on the same side, they, in, on that game, it looks we look too slow because then you've got Jack Zebel, who's again not quick. Um, and then you're just left with McDonald, who plays, you know, he's a hard... Um, defending player, and he's got a bit of run. So then you've sort of got Bailey Scott and and, and, and Sheasels around that backline area, with Howe and, and Shields playing as defensive wingers, who again both and neither of them are quick. So it does. I think I think it's difficult to play those three. It, it, look, if you've got three big tools playing, you probably have to. Um, but I don't know if it works with Jack Siebel to have three tools plus Jack Siebel. It just doesn't leave us enough run out of that back line. So I, I, I won't make a judgment on core yet, but um, I, I don't know. It did look fantastic on the weekend, but I, we'll just have to give them some time to play together, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of times in the first quarter in particular, he got... Uh... He got like he just made the wrong decisions and attacked. You know, got caught in no man's land. You know, Hipwood got one out of the back where he just um, he didn't track back hard enough. And there's one he attacked the contest onto a wing um, and made a two on one situation up the ground. So there was well, there was a lot of finger pointing in the back line on the weekend, both at him for doing that sort of thing and low copped it from a few players as well. Uh, for for not being in the right spot, so it felt like there was a lot of anger going on around the defensive half. Yeah, I mean that's a good point there, Frank. Now, Frank, I mean we went with a similar defensive concept like we did against Carlton. Um, we sort of played a zone. Um, we didn't like outside of the centre centre bounces. I mean each player was just guarding space, and no one really had a direct opponent. I found it a bit bizarre that um, we sort of went with a zone again, especially with Griffin Logan, Ben McKay back. Two very good, you know, two uh, pretty good one-on-one players. How did you see that? Yeah, and yeah, correct. And I guess, to, like uh, you said earlier on, when it, it clearly stopped working, uh, it, we seemed to like persist with it, almost like we kind of thought maybe if we do it for long enough, it'll turn around. But I thought probably... If not at halftime, it's maybe not long in the third quarter that maybe we should have tried to, I don't know if you, if you say minimise the damage, maybe they thought we could still win it. But I thought it was probably time to sort of try and lock down maybe one-on-one a little bit more than just, we seem to do the opposite and open the, the, the back line up even more, um, which, was, which was really weird. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. Digby, Digby Morell would have kicked eight goals playing for Brisbane on the weekend. He could have just – anyway, they were just sitting out the back and they just get an easy ball in. It was it was quite well, amazing. To, to uh, follow that up, Mark, I, you know, looking through some of the stats on the weekend, Brisbane took 33 marks inside their forward 50 yeah. on the weekend. We've taken 45 collectively as a club for the year. 
Wow. So, you know, it goes to show you either we're under-indexing in, in inside 50 marks or we just gave up on that last line of defence on, on Saturday. Yeah. Ben Cunnington, I thought he did okay, Mark. Um, 22 disposals, 303 metres gained, two scoring bombers, one centre clearance out of 19 centre bounce attendances. There's talk he shouldn't be getting a game. Uh, he should be dropped. I think that's a bit harsh. He's probably, uh, like a number of players, not in great form at the moment. Is he? No. And the problem is when you get to his age, uh, when you're out of form, it's you start to get questioned a lot more and the pressure is a lot higher. If he was 24, he just says out of form. You know, he'll, he'll get that back in a couple of weeks. And that might be what happens. The problem with Ben is when he's not doing what he's um, so good at, which is centre clearance beast and, and getting the ball to the people on the outside. He doesn't have he hasn't got any assets when he doesn't have the ball. So he's not a he's not a, he can't run defensively. So he's not not a lot of help from that perspective. So he needs to be getting 25, 26 effective possessions and winning 14 or 15 contested balls to actually really be a huge help to the side. So I think that's where Clark was, was quite harsh on him the week before about well if, you know, if he's not doing what he's paid to do He's going to be taken off, or you know, and potentially playing the VFL. So it's certainly too premature to be writing him off. That's for certain. But um, I don't think they're going to have him and Greenwood in the same side because they played that same sort of role. But Greenwood um, is probably better than him defensively. So uh, he, I, I don't think he'll be dropped. I, I think he'll. But I think he's on notice at the moment. I think his form will need to pick up in the next couple of weeks. To me, Frank, he looks like a player that um, is probably adjusting a little bit to the speed of the game. He's been away from the game for the last couple of years. And, he, you know, we always um, we always found that he always had time when he had the football, whereas now he feels a bit rushed and is, uh, you know, uh, rushing his kicks and rushing his handballs in contests. Do you, are you finding that, that maybe he's just struggling with the pace of the game at the moment? Uh, yeah. And now whether that's an age thing, as Mark touched on, or whether it's just him readjusting, uh, it's definitely, um, uh, he looks, he always looked like he was a step ahead of the game. Uh, but now you clearly see he's he's gone a step behind. And as a friend of mine said to me today, it was like watching him on the weekend was like, um, you know, when your mate tells you to back a horse and it can't lose and you watch it enter the straight and it starts moving backwards as everyone else <laughs> passes him. God, I know that well. Uh, yeah, that's that's because as as we as Brisbane spread, or even sometimes as we spread from the contest, you could see him just slowly drifting out a camera angle, and you just think, yeah, look, he he just doesn't have that pace. He's he's kind of a liability on the spread. If it's in close and at that congestion, he's still got the ability to be accountable and win the ball. But as soon as it gets flicked out, unfortunately, he just. Yeah, he, he can't contribute the way we probably want him to. Oh, couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, it's, he's still he's still uh, pretty effective in, in very tight in a contest, but it's just when he um, he, he seems to be getting caught a little bit and uh, just uh, probably just a step behind at the moment. So hopefully yeah. he gets that back. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not going to write him off. I mean, a lot of people have uh, wrote uh, Jack Siebel off, and he's had him for having a pretty good year at the moment. Uh, yeah. Mark Ben Mackay, he'll be better for the run, won't he? We don't have to talk too much about him. No, I'm not buying the criticism of him at all. It's crazy. I mean, people saying he's 
not a great one-on-one defender and all sorts of stuff. It just didn't make makes no sense. He'll be a star player for us within a few weeks. Judge him in about two or three weeks once he's had. Um, I mean, he's had match practice is pretty important for anyone. Normally, they make guys play two or three games of VFL um, to get themselves, you know, conditioned for for AFL standard. But we just don't have that luxury with him, so we've had to throw him straight in. And, and as you'd imagine, with the problems with your foot, you don't do a lot of running, so it would, it would affect his conditioning a little bit. He'll be fine. I'll, He'll probably be better for the run this week. People saw with Hawkins from Geelong, he had virtually no pre-season or very limited again because of foot trouble. Uh, and everyone was saying, oh, no, he's stuffed now. He's not a pre-season. Well, look at his last two weeks. So it'll it'll take him a few weeks and he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Frank, um, what sort of contracts... Uh, sure, you're looking uh, at him. Do you do you want? Would you right now, um, if he wanted a five year deal, uh, close to a million or even a million, would you sort of uh, pony up and pay that? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd look at possibly. I'd be happy with four, which would hmm. take him to what twenty nine. Um, a million's a bit steep, isn't it? Look, it is. I guess. Sorry, cap is going up though in the next yeah, yeah next couple well, of years. I guess, uh, like uh, all clubs, we have to use a certain percentage of the salary cap. Um, so, look, I'd be a bit nervous around at, at, at a million. I don't think on current rankings he's quite at that level. Particularly, uh, he's um, you know he has been very injury prone. Uh, length of contract, I think four or five would be, I'd be okay with that. It'd be the money that I'd be concerned about if it creeps up towards a mill. At least, I mean, they can front, they can front end it because, um, you know, we've got plenty of room at the moment. Yeah. So it won't won't cause us too much trouble down the track if we gave him five years and and most of it went in the first two or three years. But I don't know. I mean, even with, with extra money coming to the cap, I, I think for a defender who hasn't made All-Australian or won a best and fairest, it's a big jump to just yeah. go straight to a million. I think you could get it close to a million, but you'd have to have incentives there around top fives in BNFs, you know, All-Australian yeah. squad, All-Australian team, um, things like that, you know, certain amount of coaches' votes, whatever, however you want to do it, um, intercept marks, however, you know, certain amount of games played, I think you can incentivise it up closer to that level, but you wouldn't just hand over a million bucks a year over five years. You'd want to yeah. see the performance stuff around that. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, it might be close to 800 with your yeah, incentives and, yeah. and so forth like that. Yeah. So, look, at the end of the day, I, we're not going to get anyone better than him through free agency. Um, no. yeah. So, you might as well you know, pony up and pay him the money if he, if he you know, and he's going to get offers uh, from other clubs that uh, are going to offer the close to that money. So, that, yeah. just on that subject, though, and I won't waste too much time on this, but um, I am uh, very much of the understanding that Harry Himmelberg is, is in our sights and he would be a very handy addition as a tall player uh, in, uh, at the club if that was to come off. As a as a restricted free agent, he is. By the way, well, he's probably a player that we'll, we'll have to um, pony up and pay a bit of money to and give a long term deal deal to. I rate him. I think he's a very good player, but um, that might be a, a, an ep- uh, you know a discussion for another episode. Um, we'll uh, we'll see how we go uh, with all that sort of thing. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some positive players and 
uh, Mark, no better than your boy Charlie Combat. I thought he comp- competed really well all day and could have kicked five in the end, but good to see him get reward for effort in the last quarter and get a couple of goals. Very happy for Charlie. I thought um, his attack on the ball in the contest is always good. I think the um, the benefit for him, and sorry, for the side is that you don't see too many intercept marks happen when he's around the area. Uh, he, he Two on one, he'll get the ball to ground. So he's, he's fantastic in from that response, uh, and he'll attack the ball in the air from a marketing perspective, and he's good when it hits the ground, and he, he's ferocious with his tackling as well. So I think he brings a lot to our forward line. It just I'm really hoping to see a day soon where both he and Larky work really well together and they both have a good day. But I'm, I'm very biased because I love Charlie as a player, but I, I think long-term he'll be the deepest forward because uh, I just think he's stronger in the air in that contested marking type situation, whereas I think um, I think Suv is more of a clever key forward uh, who reads the play well and, and gets himself into clever positions and stuff like that. And I think he'll he will benefit from um, from Condon long term. But yeah, I thought that was a big step forward. I think um, I know he's come out of that with um, with more confidence, which is really good. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. I mean, I keep saying hundred percent. I shouldn't be saying it, but uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, yeah, he's had a, he's been inconsistent, but I think that's what uh, we're going to get with him. He's had a good game, bad game, good game, bad game, good well, game so far this season. So yeah, mark, well, marking's in, been inconsistent so far, but his efforts been very consistent. Oh, couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think his efforts always there, which is really good to see. Um, Jaden Stevenson um, kicked four goals, took his chances, and he's finding his feet as a half board with seven goals in the last two games. Frank, what do you think of him? Yep, absolutely. Um, he's done a fantastic job um, with limited opportunities, even to an extent on the weekend when it sort of dried up. He stayed active. He looked dangerous when the ball went in there. Uh, he, he did more than what you could possibly ask for. If you're going to return lowish sort of figures as a forward, make the ones that you get count. And he's certainly done that. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, yeah, I mean, he's a very smart player. We, we've, we have always known that, but he's really um, taking his opportunities and he seems to be growing in confidence, really found his role after, you know, probably a couple in different years. Like, he, he did have a different role last year playing the halfback flank uh, second half of the year and, and grew a bit of confidence and started off a bit indifferent first probably couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, no, he's um, he, he's been uh, very good uh, last couple of weeks in particular. Uh, Mark, Will Phillips, uh, I thought it was a positive game for him as well. Nine in disposals, uh, kicked, a, kicked a nice goal. Um, seems to be getting good uh, minutes in the midfield as well. Uh, how did you see him? Yeah, thrilled for him, and um, particularly since he and Charlie are, are the, the um, Logan McDonald comparison that Kane Corns bringing him up again, always talk about. But um, he showed where he's – we can see where he's going now. He's actually a lot quicker than I realised, uh, Phillips. So he's, he's got a bit of explosive speed away from the contest, which I thought was exciting. But he's, he's, I think he went at 82% efficiency. So his decision-making, I think, has always been good. I think he's getting the match conditioning now because, obviously, with coming out of Galangela, they had to be really cautious with him through the preseason. But he's building really nicely now, and I think um, I think he's going to be a great player for us for a very long time. I thought that was really exciting, um, particularly in a weekend where there weren't a lot of positives. I think the three that we're talking about are three that have taken big step forwards from last year. So... I think that that's, you know, if you forget the result of the game, you'd always be excited about seeing that. that they're three players that a lot of supporters would have really gone into this season hoping they, they take some steps forward. So that's been great, I think. 
Yeah, and it's good to see the young blokes um, still playing well. Like, Stevens is still a young kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, still playing well, even in a tough game like that. And that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, the real positive um, after, yeah, a really tough game, uh, to be honest with you. And especially being a forward in that second half, the, the delivery was uh, really poor. So, yeah, it's good to see uh, Combin and Stevenson uh, get, a, get a few goals. Um, we'll move forward. A yeah, big game this week against Gold Coast boys. Uh, they seem, they, they, they're struggling as well. Um, they had a very disappointing loss against Freeman, or a game they probably should have won. Do you expect changes, Frank? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dino, I don't know to what extent, but obviously, uh, I think probably Cunnington stays in. Um, even look, he was probably going to stay in, but that I think it's been cemented now with Jai being out. Uh, that um, he he will um, hold his spot. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Bergman or Goda come in and might see Sheasel move into the midfield, sort of coming off half forward, having some top minutes in the midfield, yeah. and obviously Paul Curtis. So if I was going to have a guess, I would say uh, Curtis, uh, Bergman, I think, could be the two changes that come in and then a bit of a reshuffle across that half-back line. Well, I think Simpkins out for one or two weeks, so that yep. will make it interesting. Uh, uh, Mark, now, uh, Frank mentioned Harry Sheasel. Um, do you think he takes the kickouts this week? Well, well, no. <laughs> he wants to keep uh, the corn off his back, he won't. Um, I mean, someone, I think, um, I think Patrick on Twitter made a very good co- comment to say, um, people are forgetting how impressive it is that a first-year player is taking the kickouts at all. It just shows how skillful and how trusted he is. Um, so if you just put aside the, the childish stuff about getting extra stats, which is, I think he's had 14 uh, kickouts that have counted towards his stats across five games. So it's really, it's minor. And by the way, he's contested ball. He's averaging one less than Jason Horn Francis. And he's playing in that position, but he's averaging about 20 more possessions. So for all Kane's carry on about Sheasel not being as good, he's pretty impressive for a uh, guy who's played five games, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd love to see him. Um, I, I, I agree with what Frank's saying. I think that they probably need to bolster the, the run out of the back line. So I'd be quite happy to see Bergman come back. I'd be happy to see Goaty come back for that for that matter. Um, everyone knows I'm always desperate for Archer to be playing because I just love what he brings. I think... Curtis is definitely um, going to come back. And I think with Simkin out, there's a chance Charlie Lazaro could play. Um, yeah. But then, the, you know, it, it depends what happens between Greenwood and, and Cunners. Um, but I, I think Charlie Lazaro is in good form and I want to see what he can do. So I think they're going to have to give him a crack sooner or later. Um, I'm going to the game on the Gold Coast because it's only an hour's drive for me. So I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing it live. And I think there will be. I think Shields needs a rest. I think Cunners potentially needs a break or a rest. Uh, Turner, um, I, I can't comment too much about him, but obviously he's he had virtually no disposals, and so he, had, he from the naked eye had absolutely no beneficial effect on the game. But I don't know if he was he closed someone down that I couldn't tell. But I I, I can't see that he can stay in the side if he's not going to contribute more than he has. Um, so he'd be he'd be in trouble. And Shields Howe would be the same. Taylor had a bad day, but he's been pretty good up till then. Um, so it's, it, there's a few that, that you know wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be that confident going into selection this week. But there were only we only named three guys that played well, and I think I think um, 
Powell also had a good game, but I think he was named the best, and he was pretty good. But after that, it's pretty hard to find anyone who played well. Yeah, and it comes back to my point that we've got probably you know a number of players that have probably lost a bit of form um, lately, and you can't drop them all. You can't drop ten players all at once and no, just expect no. uh, ten players yeah. to come in. It's just about uh, maybe dropping two or three um, and hoping that uh, yeah you can uh, other players can find form. Um, yeah, uh, playing this week against Gold Coast. Are we a chance against them this week, Frank? Yeah, I think so. Look, we couldn't play any worse, Dean, uh, <laughs> than, than what we did. I think if we brought that that uh, effort from the, the first 40 minutes, um, I, I think there's no reason we can't beat them. But as we've shown every game this year, we, we're prone to those 20-minute lapses and they're not two-goal lapses. They're, they're real brain explosions. So... Um, yeah, I think we're a chance. I'm not not super confident, but I, I think if we can improve some of the um, areas that we fell down badly in on the weekend, that we can certainly push them. Uh, Mark, do you think we're a chance, and uh, do you expect us to win? Yeah, I do this week. I think we'll I think we'll learn a lot of lessons out of that game, and I think um, Clarko will weave some magic through the week and <clears throat> play as cherry ripe for this. I think. Um, We'll have a red-hot go. I don't know whether we'll win, but I think we certainly can win, and I reckon we'll go close. And, I mean, that said, Gold Coast are under a lot of pressure. They can't afford to drop this, um, or, they're, or they're, they're putting their coach right under the hammer. That's the thing. We seem to play these, be playing these clubs that are always under uh, under scrutiny each week, and, mm. um, yeah, they always seem to take it out on us. Uh, so we've had a bit of bad luck with that. Mm. Um Frank, famous last words that you sort of saying we can't play any worse than this. I think we said that a few times last year, and we kept getting worse. <laughs> yeah, let's hope you, yeah, you yeah. didn't jinx it. But uh, Frank, you want to add anything before I let you go? Uh, no, uh, no, not at all. Um, just um, yeah, hopefully the, uh, the the boys can um, can rebound. I'm I'm confident that uh, uh, as uh, Mark said, maybe it was just um, uh, trying to re uh, trying to reinforce. A certain style that um, you know that Clarko wants the boys to play at, but we just picked the wrong team to practice it on. And um, hopefully this weekend we can have a better result. Yeah, I'll, hopefully. Uh, Mark, anything else uh, before I let you go? No, I'll just I'll just add that if Curtis coming in with Stevenson in form and Combin starting to play well, if if, um, if Larky, hopefully his hips okay, we might we might see our first week where the forward line all clicks at the same time and. Cam Zerha was also a bit quiet. So I reckon um, if we can get it in there this week, I think the forward line will, will click and we might have our highest score for the year. Yeah, I mean, we'll kick 12 goals. is probably another positive as well out of the game. We, had, you know, Last year, we were only kicking about eight goals a game when we were getting flogged. So to get 12 is a little bit of bit of a bonus. But, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a downer of a podcast with a lot of negative talk. But So we're hoping we can come back next week with a bit more, um, yeah, with talking about a win and a bit more positivity. But uh, thank you, boys. Um, like I said, this isn't a 2022 uh, podcast tonight. Um, this is still 2023. If there was a feel about a 2022 podcast tonight. Uh, hopefully it's not a common theme for the rest of the year. Mark, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. No worries. Good to, good to speak to you both again. See you next week. Frank, it's always a pleasure, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Mark. Speak to you next week. Thanks to, the boy, to those boys for coming on once again. Like I said to them, it was a bit of a 2020 feel uh, podcast uh, tonight. And sorry to all you local listeners. Uh, if it was a bit uh, bit negative tonight, uh, there was a lot to discuss. There was some positivity, and we're certainly hoping as a football club we can bounce back this week. 
So that's it for tonight. I will be back later this week um, on Thursday, I'm going to say, uh, around that time. So plenty, I'm sure there'll be uh, more to discuss and more to discuss about that uh, more on the media. So yeah, look out for that episode. Um, Don't forget, like, subscribe, uh, rate the show, uh, do all those fun things. Uh, Thanks to all you lovely listeners that uh, put in our comments, uh, retweeting, um, liking the show. So it's really helping the show grow and yeah, hopefully it continues to grow over the coming months and for the rest of the year. So thank you very much for all you lovely listeners for doing that. So like I said, that's it for tonight's show. So tonight I will leave a shout out to Paul at I'm Paul 23 Bye for now and go Roos.